Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. This week I want to be talking about uh, how do I pray effectively? There are several questions about prayer. People have asked, does God hear me when I pray? What does a prayer life look like? And we're going to kind of look and kind of combine these questions. So I want to talk with you. How do I pray effectively? And I hope we'll gain a better understanding uh, to this question as well as others as we go through this sermon. And it will help us to learn how we ought to pray. Now, I've come to recognize that if the circumstances are right, everyone sooner or later will pray. Maybe it's like uh, the guy on the airplane who is sitting there with two empty seats and he's watching the people come in and as they come in and start to walk down the aisle, he's, he's looking and he's saying, which one of those are going to be my neighbor for the next four hours? And as they walk down, he's looking and looking and, and then steps the lady with the baby that is upset, that is crying, that can't be com- calm down and she starts walking down the aisle and he looks at her and says dear Lord Jesus if you will just let her sit somewhere else I'll do anything that you ask me to do I'll go anywhere you want me to go just please just please Lord let her sit somewhere else she comes down the aisle and he's holding his breath and maybe he's praying a little bit more fervently and under his breath and as she passes and passes him and goes to the back of the plane he says oh Lord thank you You're a good father. You're a good, good father. That's who you are. You're a good father. So I'm convinced that if we are presented with the right circumstance, we'll all pray. Whether it be a difficulty, whether it be a a situation in our lives that forces us to pray. And in some seasons of our life, we're in a season that, that makes us pray more because we need God's help more. We need God's touch more in our lives. So we'll look at today on what does it mean to pray and how do we get God's attention when we pray? How do we take our prayer life to make it effective, not so that we're just repeating prayers, but we can, uh, we can get God to, to talk to us and help us. Now, prayer is what we call one of the dis- disciplines of a Christian life. You know, we talk about reading your Bible last week. We opened up the Word and talked about uh, looking at the Word and interpreting it correctly and, and reading it yourself and learning. That's one of the disciplines of a Christian life. Prayer, we'll be talking about that today. There's fasting. There's fellowship with believers. Being in a small group, being discipled. Those are all disciplines that we do to help us grow in our faith. Today, I want us to look a little bit more about prayer. Now, prayer is mentioned between five to 700 times in the Bible, depending on which translation you read. But nonetheless, there are close to 700 references to prayer in the Scripture. Prayer is first mentioned in Genesis 4, after the birth of Seth, who was one of Adam and Eve's sons, after the birth of Seth's son, Enosh. The Bible says, at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord, and that's in Genesis 4, 26. But before that, the Bible says that Adam and Eve communed with God or had communications with God. So we would say that that was some sort of prayer, whether it be uh, face-to-face or if it's God's presence. 
So we see that prayer uh, has been established from the very beginning of man. Now, you can read many different prayers or about many different prayers in the Bible. You can read about Abraham who prayed passionately for God to spare the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he bargained with God. And if I can just find so many people, will you spare it? Will you spare it? We read about Moses' prayer of deliverance for his disciples in the scripture. You can read about Hannah and how Hannah prayed that God would give her a child. You can read about David and David's prayer of repentance and forgiveness uh, for his sins that he had committed. You can read about Jonah, how he found a place in the belly of the well and prayed to God for deliverance. You can read about John's prayer for the church, that they would always be faithful and true to the word. You can read about Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. You could read about the prayer of Jabez for a blessing in our lives, for our borders to be enhanced. You could pray, you can read about Jesus praying on the cross. You can read about the multiple times that Jesus prayed for healing the blind man, the leper, the lame man. And there are many, many more prayers that you can read about in the scripture. So prayer has been established as a means of communication with God. Now, we see where the disciples here ask Jesus to teach them how to pray. We don't see in Scripture where the disciples said, Lord, will you teach us how to heal somebody? Lord, I really like that wine thing you did. Can you teach us how to turn water into wine? Or Lord, can you help us and teach us how to uh, cast out demons? Can you teach us how to do these things? They said, no, teach us how to pray. I think that's important. And I think this is the reason why, because the disciples in their followings with Christ and Christ teaching with them, they noticed something, that every time Jesus prayed, something miraculous followed. Every time Jesus said, Lord, and he called upon God, then something great would happen. Jesus got a few loaves and fishes, and he prayed and gave thanks. And after he did that, what happened? He fed multitudes with it. And over and over in the scripture, Jesus would pray and then something would happen. So they said, if we can learn how to pray, then we can be, uh, have power to do great and mighty things for the kingdom like you do. So they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. They wanted to know, how can I have that same connection that Jesus has with God? How can we have that connection so that when we pray, God answers our prayers? Now, one of the questions on the app was, are there still modern-day miracles? Do miracles still happen today? I would say absolutely they do. I think if we are in the right prayer, if we're in the right relationship, then miracles can happen in our lives. And I see miracles. I see miracles sitting here in this house today. But Jesus says something when the uh, disciples came to him. He says, we tried to cast out a demon, a demon-possessed man. We tried to cast that spirit out. We couldn't do it. What are we doing wrong? And Jesus says, that only comes about through prayer and fasting. So he begins to teach them a key, a key to our Christian walk, a key that will help each of us as we navigate through our Christian life of how we can be victorious over our circumstances, our situations, and that's through our prayer life. Now look with me, if you will, Matthew 6, verse 5. Jesus says that when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. 
Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask. There's a couple things I see in this passage here. That last verse says, God knows what you have need of before you ask. Well, then why are we asking? If he already knows, then we shouldn't have to ask. But it goes much deeper than that. God wants us to come to him and ask, not because he doesn't know, but because he wants us to recognize that he is the giver of all good things. And more than that, he wants you to be in prayer because he wants relationship with each of us. So I want you to see today that prayer is more about relationship than communication. Now, you can write that down in your app notes there, and that's something you think about. Prayer is more about relationship than it is communication. God wants relationship with us. So, biblical prayer is simply defined as relational communication with God. Many people pray to God without a relational connection. Many people will go to God, and if you go to God without that connection, you're not connecting with the person you think you're connecting with. You're just, you're just saying prayers. They're, they're, I wouldn't say they're empty prayers, but they're not effective prayers. So when people go to God for something that they want without a connection or without even wanting to cultivate a relationship with God, well, then they are simply coming to God to ask for something that they want. They're simply wanting to use God to get what they want. And nobody likes to be used. God says, I want your prayer life to be about relationship. And when relationship's right, then we can talk about needs. Then we can talk about answering those prayers. And when that relationship is right, I am more than happy to open up the windows of heaven. When your child comes to you and they want something and they've been good and they, they're loving and they're doing everything they should do, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll get whatever you need and uh, whatever you want, you know, I want to help you bet. But when they're not behaving right, when they're not doing like they should and they come and want something, well, no, you're going to have to behave a little better before I give you that. You understand what I'm saying? God is saying, if you are in a right relationship with me, you love me, and we are communicating regularly, then I want you to ask. Ask what you will, and I will give like a good father would give. What good father, when someone asks for a fish, would give him a serpent? But God says, I would give to you the desires of your heart, the things you want, but first of all, let's get the relationship thing down pat through our prayer life. And I think that's one of the keys here and what I want you to see in this passage today and in this question. So the question is, how do I pray effectively? I would say the, the answer more or less would be you pray for relationship. And then we'll look at the other things that prayer brings about. God wants relationship. He wants prayers that build relationship. He says that um, in this passage I just read to you, he said that another uh, thing about prayer is that you should go to your secret place and pray. Now, when I was working with my family in a family business for some number of years, my wife's grandmother, Miss Morrison, was a godly woman. She prayed, and I heard, I've heard her pray thousands of prayers. I've heard her drop what she was doing and fall on her knees and pray with someone, a customer that came in to buy plants from her. But she had this place. She called it her prayer house. 
And in the middle of this, this big acreage of nurseries and plants, right in the middle was a little prayer house. It was about maybe eight by eight. And there's a picture of it there. And in that was a little bench, a little cross, and that was it. But on the walls were written prayer after prayer after prayer. And people would come to the nursery to buy plants and she would begin to talk to them and they would share personal things. And she said, well, honey, why don't you just jump on my golf cart? Let's go down to the prayer house. And she would pray. But there are many times when she would be there by herself praying and opening her heart to God. I think one of the reasons God says, why don't you go to your secret place is because in your secret place where no one's around, you can be honest with God. I mean, we won't be honest with God praying in public, will we? No, we shouldn't be because there are things in our lives that we need to tell God that we don't need other people to know. There are things that God is doing and working on in our lives that's not anybody else's business. But when we get into the secret place, it's a place where we can open up our heart and be honest before God. And when you begin to be honest before God, then that relationship begins to grow. You know how it is in a, in a marriage. When you're honest with your spouse, that relationship grows closer and closer. But when you're not honest and that communication fails, it begins to separate. There was a question uh, that was asked about communications in marriage. I'll just throw this in here for today. The question was similar to say, we love each other, but we can't seem to communicate what's wrong. I would say this, when you begin to be honest with one another, open with one another, and begin to really communicate with one another, your glove will grow stronger and stronger and stronger. And that's what God wants for us. So he says, go into your secret place. And he also says, shut the door, tune out the distractions, all the stuff all the, 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 the social media, all the, the, the TV, the, the, all the things, tune it out, find you a quiet place so that I can speak. As Brent read a while ago, God doesn't speak necessarily through a loud, thundering voice, but in that small, still voice. God speaks to our spirit, not our ears, but when we close that door and we, we focus on God and everything's quiet, he can begin to speak into our lives. So he says uh, in the scripture to, to, to pray, pray in that secret place and get along with God, be honest, be real and listen. Now I'm a 99% Alabama fan, but I have to admit I have a 1% Auburn in me right now. And that's because a couple weeks ago I was listening to an interview with their basketball coach, Bruce Pearl. He was on the radio, and he was actually in Israel, the Holy Land. He had taken his team. They were playing some games. And as he began to talk from that holy place halfway around the world, as they interviewed him, he began to talk about the, the great opportunity it was to bring his ball players so they could see where Jesus walked. They, can, they went to the Mount of Olives where Jesus was there, where he ascended, where he looked over Jerusalem. Uh, they went to the birthplace of Christ, and he took all of his players and showed them the things where Christ lived and walked. And he made this statement, and this is where the 1% comes. He said, you know, I pray, but sometimes I just don't feel like I hear back. He said, but somehow over here, I feel like God is speaking to me. And I thought, wow, that's pretty incredible, you know. So kudos, Auburn. I'll give you 1% a clap, okay? But when we begin to recognize the power of prayer, we recognize that prayer is communicating with God. 
and it's cultivating a relationship with him. So why do we struggle when we know of the benefits? Why do we struggle with prayer? Why do we not make more time? Why is it awkward for us? Why is it awkward for us to pray? And, and, you know, a lot of times we think nobody hears and we're just reciting. So let's talk about how we're supposed to pray. I think one of the best places to look is the words of Jesus to help us understand better how to pray. Now, Jesus gives us what is referred to in Luke 12 and in Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer. You know the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you're like the two guys that were talking and one of them said to the other one says, I bet you can't recite the Lord's Prayer. And the other guy says, yeah, I know the Lord's Prayer. I can say it. And the first guy said, I'll bet you $10 you can't recite the Lord's Prayer. He said, I'll take that bet. I said, okay. He says, now I'll lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. The first guy looked at him and said, here's your money. I didn't think you knew it. <laughs> but sometimes we just don't know how to pray. How, what is it that touches God? What is the secret word or the secret phrase that God says, okay, here it is. Because some of us have been praying years and years for something and it hasn't quite happened. But what is it that it makes our prayer effective? So the Lord's Prayer gives us a little guide word, a template. The Lord's Prayer was never meant to be the sum of our prayer life. It's a model. Jesus says, he didn't say pray this prayer. He says pray like this. So when you pray, he says, and there's an assumption there, he says when you pray. He doesn't say, well, if you decide you want to start praying, here's how to pray. He is assuming that disciples are spending time in prayer. The assumption is when you come to accept Christ and you believe in him, you put your trust in him, that you will pray. So I will start with that assumption today that we all should be praying. If we're not, then maybe we should look at our lives and say, God, help me to develop a prayer life. So we have established that prayer is more about relationship than communication. So with that in mind, let's read this prayer together. Matthew 6, verse 9. If you will, let's all read it together and you can join with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, Let's look at some context of when this was given, when this prayer was given to us. We look back in chapter 5 of Matthew, and Jesus is sitting down with his disciples. He is, he is having a small group study with his small group, and he is teaching them. And here he is teaching them about the Beatitudes. Blessed are they who are meek and those who uh, uh, are peacemakers. And, and you can go through all those in Matthew 5. Uh, he talks about how that murder or sin is a heart thing. It's not an action thing. He teaches that. He teaches about the sacredness of marriage. He teaches against adultery there in 5. He talks about going the second mile. He talks about loving your enemy. So he's going through all these things one after other. Here, this is what, this is, this is your guidelines of how you live your life. Then in chapter 6, it's almost like he's interrupted and they say, well, Lord, well, teach us how to pray. In their mind, their most pressing thing was, we need to know how to pray to get the results that you get. 
So the prayer is given so that it's not to be repeated many times, but it's a template. And there's nothing wrong with praying this repair or repeating this prayer. Uh, and we've heard it prayed many, many times. As a matter of fact, uh, I heard a, a ball team when they would gather up after the game to say the Lord's Prayer that would recite this prayer in 2.4 seconds. Our Father, which art in heaven, you know. And those are all good things because it draws attention to who God is. But praying that prayer or praying the prayer over your meals or praying a bedtime prayer is not the totality of our prayer life. We have to develop where we are really talking with God for the purpose of cultivating relationship with him. So let's look at this template of prayer. First of all, he says, hallowed be your name. First of all, is we pray with reverence. You could say adoration as well. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our relationship, he says here, is like a father and a son. God is referred to as a father and we as a child. Now, one of the questions also submitted in our app was something to the effect, the Bible says that we should respect our father, but what if our father is a bad person? Shouldn't, we have to, shouldn't he have to earn our respect? And I know where you're coming from on that. I know that all earthly fathers aren't good fathers, and I recognize that. And I pray for you, and I pray if you're in that situation. But what he is saying is there's no comparison with God, our father, and our earthly father, because where our earthly father can fail, God never fails. Where our earthly father cannot forgive us of our sins, our godly father can forgive us of our sins. Where our earthly father cannot always give us good and righteous gifts, our godly father can pour open the windows of heaven for us to give us good gifts. So I would say to whoever asked that question, you keep your eyes on God the father and you pray for your earthly father. You pray for him, but you know that your example to follow is the godly father because it is God our Father who has redeemed us, He saved us, He has set us apart, and He has relationship with us. And that's why He says that we should come and we should have adoration to Him for all He's done. Why we should uh, uh, hallow His name. Why we should reverence Him because of what He's done for me. Lord, I start this prayer by saying you are a great God. I thank you for what you've done in my life. I thank you that you've forgiven me. You've worked miracles in my life and you've done this and this and this. And I just got to start this prayer by saying, God, I thank you for it. And when we do that, it starts to get his attention. Okay, somebody is worshiping me. Somebody is praising me. Let me see who that is. And I think when we start our prayers, first of all, by thanking God for who he is, that he inclines his ear unto us to hear us. The second part of this template is to give devotion to God. The Bible says, your kingdom come, your will be done. This simply means to start to surrender or set apart anything, your body, your mind, your spirit, your career, your finances, your family, to God's exclusive will. You're saying, Lord, my life is yours. My life belongs to you. And whatever I do in my life is to give you glory and you honor. So my business is yours, Lord. My family is yours, Lord. My relationships are yours, Lord. Uh, everything about me is yours, and I want your will to be done in my life. Our prayer should be every day that God move the kingdom forward through us. I pray that every day that God's kingdom is advanced through me, I pray every day that God's kingdom is advanced through this church, that the kingdom advances and moves forward in the name of Christ. Amen? The third thing is our petition. He says, it's okay to bring your petitions to me. 
Give us our daily bread. Bring to God your needs, your dreams, your desires. God, as a good father, desires to meet your needs. He desires for you to succeed. He desires for you to be blessed. He desires for you to be a great parent. He, des he desires for you to have a great spouse. He desires for you to have relationships. And it's not a burden, but a joy. He wants us to ask, but more than that, he wants to hear from us so that we can have relationship with him. So take your needs to him. Give him thanks. Devote your life to him. And then ask. And then next he says, this prayer should include some intercession for yourself and for others. It says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Intercession is when we stand between the offended God and an offensive person. That person may be ourselves, it may be a family member, but God says that we are to continually seek forgiveness in our lives for those areas that we fall short for those sins and those failures. God says also that if there's strife in your life or unforgiveness in your life, it's going to be very difficult to have that relationship with him because he is a forgiving God. God says, how can you not forgive others when I have forgiven you? How can you ex I can extend grace and mercy on you when you're not willing to extend grace and mercy to anyone else? So in our prayer life, we say, first of all, God, you know, forgive me, cleanse me. Help me to look and forgive others as well that may have offended me. Help me be a, for, a person that lives in forgiveness, a person that lives within mercy and grace. And then lastly, protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, help me to stay away from sin. Pastor Travis has a phrase around here. You know what it is? Pathway, stop sinning. How do we do that? By the Lord's help. When you praise the Lord, help me stop sinning because my natural inclination is to sin. Man's inclination is to sin. Lord, help me not to be in the places I shouldn't be. Lord, help me not to say the things I shouldn't say. Lord, help me not to hang out with people I shouldn't hang out with. But Lord, lead me not into temptation, but, to, but deliver me. Why do we pray? We pray because we need what's there down here. We need the glory of God and the spirit of God here. I need God to take the supernatural and invade the natural to take care of the situations in my life. That's why we pray. We pray to have that relationship and we pray for God to do great things in our lives. And I want to leave you this. We are to leave a legacy of prayer. I'm afraid that many of our children haven't heard us pray, therefore they don't know how to pray. From time to time, we have children come on our stage that will pray, and I think, wow, they have parents that are praying because they know how to pray. They have teachers that are praying because they know how to pray. They have kids workers that are praying because they know how to pray. And I think it's our obligation. Just as Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, in essence, teaching us how to pray. We're to take that and teach our children how to pray. Not just a lay me down to sleep prayer, but really how to talk to God. This past week, I was able to be with my mom and dad to check on them for a little bit. I was up in Tennessee, had a wonderful visit with them. We're sitting around the table talking about prayer, talking about the importance of prayer. And she 
began to retell a story that I had heard when I was younger. And uh, she began to talk about it. And uh, it really hit me this week when we were talking about prayer and leaving a legacy. These are one of these stories in my family about prayer that I can pass on to others about prayer. It was the summer of 1925 when my great-grandmother named Nettie Delk said to my father, my grandfather, who was just nine years old, she said, Paul, she said, when you come back from the fields working at lunch, I need you to take me down to the train station. I need you to drive me to the train station. Yeah, he was nine years old, but his dad had died at early age, and he was now the head of the house. That included driving. And he said, I need you to take me down to the train depot. I think I have a picture of it. They're going to show it. She said, this morning when I was praying, God spoke to me and said, someone would be on the train today that I could help. So at lunchtime, he came in and ate. They both ate. They uh, headed toward the train depot, and that, that's the train depot. It's been restored, and it's now a little museum there in Odom, Georgia. She gathered up a little bit of food, some chicken and biscuits and syrup, put it in a lard bucket. She grabbed her Sunday, black Sunday hat. My grandfather went and washed up. He jumps up in the seat of the car, looking through the window, and they drive to the train station. She said, Lord told me that somebody on that train is going to need some help. So we're going. They get to the train station, the train depot. Nobody's there. Not a single person is sitting waiting on anyone. And she looks around. Then you can hear the train coming down the tracks. It got closer. Smoke billows out. And my grandfather, nine years old at the time, still talked about it when he was alive, how that made an impression on him, that smoke and the whistle. It was a wonderful thing. One little lady got off the train. One, one little lady, frail lady. She came and sat down in the depot and just sat there. My, my, grand, my great-grandmother looked at her. She went over and introduced herself and said, listen, told her who she was. She said, this morning, while in prayer, God told me that there would be somebody on this train that I could help. Is it you? And tears began to run down her face. She said, I'm a, I'm a Church of God member, actually, in, in Glenwood, Georgia. She said, my son is in a hospital in Savannah, Georgia, and he's dying. And I wanted to go see him to tell him goodbye. But all I've got is a dollar. So the Lord told me while I was praying this morning to buy a ticket for a dollar and go as far as you can go. So here I am, don't know what to do next. My grandmother said, come with me. Took her to the ticket counter, bought her a ticket to Savannah, Georgia. Gave her a, a bucket with chicken and biscuits in a little lard bucket. Gave it to her. They hugged, they prayed, they cried. She got on the train and pressed her face against the glass and waved goodbye. Now, I look forward to meeting that lady in heaven sometime. Coincidence? I don't think so. Happenstance? I don't think so. I think what happened is you had two ladies in relationship with God, spending time talking to God. And when you're in a relationship with God and you're talking to God, he's going to connect you with people that need you. He's going to connect you. Amen? So God, he just somehow, he put those two together. It's because we, when we yield ourselves and we're in relationship with him, we can hear from him and he can speak to us. So I think sometimes we, 
we get caught up in ourselves so many times, we don't know what to do. I would say this, be in strong, tight relationship with God and let him know your prayers. Because when you do that, he's got somebody else that's in relationship, somebody else that he's talking to. And that could be the person that comes and helps you for your breakthrough. That could be the person that comes and tells you what you need to hear. That could be the person that comes and helps God facilitate a miracle in your life. Or you could be that person. You could be that person that says, God, I'm yielding to you. And he can speak to you. So you go here. And God has a way of just taking and making people connect like that through prayer. Hmm. It's a powerful word. Grateful for it. Grateful for a legacy of prayer from my mom, my dad, my grandparents. Lord, I just sense that you just rushed in this place to do a great work. God, I first right now give you honor and glory for who you are, for what you've done in my life. Lord, my life is yours. I'm your vessel. I'm yielded unto you. And Lord, we have needs in this place. And I pray right now you begin to see those needs and begin to work. And Lord, if there's anything in my life that needs to be covered under the blood, I pray, Lord, that you would take it right now and cleanse me. And Lord, I pray that as I leave this place, that you would keep me away from all temptations or help me to fight those temptations so that I can be pleasing unto you. In this moment, Lord, I pray for every little relationship between you and us. God, I pray that as we pray and as we sense your spirit right now, draw us close unto you. Let us get the relationship right and then let's work on the communication part. But we know we can't have right relationship unless we're praying and we're talking. Every eye closed, every head bowed. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Hendrick, uh, I'm not where I should be, I'm lost. I need, first of all, for God to forgive me so I'll get in right relationship with him. Would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you? God bless you. Lord, I pray for these that raised their hand. I pray that you would let your mercy and grace fill their hearts right now so that they know that you're close. And I pray, Lord, that you would forgive them, cleanse them, make them whole. Now, Lord, I pray for us as we submit ourselves unto you right now that when we leave this place, we'll determine our hearts to pray like we should. Pray with the intent to cultivate that relationship with you. And when we do that, Lord, we know that there's no limit to what you can do in our lives. And I pray that you would do that. We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us give. We'll see you next week.